page 300 of the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is sponsored by Advanced Compliance Solutions, your one-stop shop for all compliance-related services. Today I have with me Matt Ellis. Matt is a partner at Miller & Chevalier in Washington. He has recently published his first book, The FCPA in Latin America. It is an excellent text for the FCPA compliance practitioner in general, and specifically the FCPA compliance practitioner who has clients work or other in Latin America. Today we visit about this book and some of the highlights. Uh, Matt talks about his writing process. The episode comes in at uh, just over 23 minutes. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to thank you for listening to episode 300 of the FCPA Compliance Report. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox in for a special edition of the FCPA Compliance Report. It is special because, well, for several reasons. First of all, it's because I have my good friend and colleague Matt Ellis on with me. Uh, it's special because Matt finally published his first book, The FCPA in Latin America, which we're going to talk about and celebrate today. And finally, it is the 300th episode of this podcast. So I can't think of uh, someone I would uh, rather share this uh, honorary date with than uh, Mr. Ellis. So, Matt, welcome. Okay, well, thank you, Tom. I'm excited to be here, and congratulations on the 300th episode. So, Matt, uh, we will leave aside the issue of why it took you so long to do this and all the prodding that myself and others uh, pushed you into uh, moving forward because uh, I have read your book and I have found it to be uh, one of the top texts around FCPA and, and compliance, but more particularly focusing on Latin America. So maybe if you could describe for us uh, why you um, wrote this book. Great. Well, um, you know, Tom, as you know, there are there are a number of books out there now on the FCPA, and, and the books you've written certainly rise to the top in terms of how to do compliance, the key elements of anti-corruption compliance, you know, lessons learned, best practices. Um, but there still was not any book out there that took a region, regional focus on, on both compliance and enforcement issues related to the FCPA. And so, you know, I, I thought there was a need uh, for more discourse, more discussion, more writing on on this area, especially as it pertained to Latin America, which just continues to be uh, a hot region for purposes of anti-corruption uh, enforcement efforts and compliance developments. And so there seemed to be a need. Um, I put pen to paper. Uh, you know, I think one of the challenges in writing this book is there were just these constant developments, whether it was the new Clean Companies Act in Brazil or developments in Mexico and Colombia or, you know, continued enforcement actions of the FCPA involving Latin America. You know, the, the, we just kept seeing updates. So every time I would finish a chapter, I would have to add more. But I finally got to the end. I published it. Uh, I'm very thankful to Corporate Compliance Insights for being the, the publisher. Uh, and so it's out there. It's available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Uh, and so I definitely encourage your, your followers to take a look if, if they have a chance. It's available in hard copy and in the ebook format. 
So, Matt, one of the things that really intrigued me is, as you highlighted there, is it's written really for several audiences. It's clearly written for the lawyer who is concerned about FCPA enforcement. It appears to me that it's also clearly written for the compliance practitioner who is looking for specific guidance in how to comply with anti-corruption laws such as the FCPA. But there's another audience here, and that would seem to me to be the businessman who is going down to do business in Latin America, but perhaps even the Latin American businessman uh, who is looking to comply with uh, perhaps uh, domestic anti-corruption laws, such as the Brazilian Clean Companies Act, or uh, wants to comply with uh, the U.S. Foreign Corrupt Practices Act because they have a U.S. subsidiary that may be doing business uh, in countries outside the United States is... Uh, is that really what you were aiming for? Is that tripartite audience who could digest a work like this? Certainly. And, you know, I think this directly flows from my own experiences. And as you know, Tom, working on these issues uh, in Latin America, I mean, you're assisting U.S. companies and their compliance teams on, you know, how to get compliance right, how to calibrate in compliance practices effectively so you're not you know, uh, doing too much, but at the same time, you're not leaving a company and business people exposed. You know, also more and more educating uh, compliance professionals in uh, Latin America about how this is done. But then that other audience, you know, the business people themselves, and I have a chapter in here where I talk about, you know, how do you make the case to the Latin American executive uh, about the importance of compliance? I mean, what I've seen over the years is you know, people in the United States, um, business leaders, you know, more and more appreciate the importance of dedicating resources, focus, attention to compliance, which as you and I know is a cost, uh, is a cost center for a company. Um, so, you know, I talk in this book about how to make that case to the Latin American executive and, you know, how that uh, discussion uh, might differ from the, the discussion in the United States. Um, you know, it's something that's happening more and more in Latin America. More business people in Latin America now get it, uh, uh, but there's still a ways to go. So uh, I was intrigued by that chapter. So could you maybe just highlight uh, some of the differences you've observed in talking to a Latin American business leader about compliance as opposed to a North American or an American business leader about compliance? Well, um, you know, first off, just discussing the FCPA and, you know, uh, educating the Latin American business executive on something that might not be intuitive uh, or things that might not be intuitive. For example, it's not just about bribes. It's also about controls and record keeping, especially for publicly listed companies. It's not just about U.S. companies and U.S. business people. It's important to discuss the jurisdictional aspects and how uh, companies in Latin America, even if they don't touch the United States, can be implicated, um, uh, you know, based on theories of agency uh, and, uh, and, and other theories. And so, you know, talking about the breadth and scope of the FCPA is important, um, but also talking about how compliance is good for business um, and how noncompliance is bad for business. Um, you know, that's an important discussion to have. Uh, because, again, oftentimes in, in Latin American markets, you're dealing with markets where, you know, compliance really hasn't existed uh, for, for many years. And so these cons, you're starting at kind of a ground level and educating audiences on, on the basics of 
of these concepts. You know, another key concept to really hone in on when you're having these discussions in Latin America is, you know, this concept of what really is a rogue employee. Um, you know, oftentimes, Latin American business leaders, you know, might say, well, you know, that wasn't, um, that issue wasn't an issue of corporate liability or corporate responsibility. It was a bad apple within the organization. And it's important to educate, you know, the audience there that, okay, that, that explanation might work, but it's only, it only works if the company can show that it otherwise took reasonable steps to ensure that the issue did not occur. And that's where compliance comes in without you know, the compliance uh, infrastructure in place, much harder to make the case to, you know, especially United States enforcement officials. Um, but I would also uh, argue enforcement officials in the region as well as the international markets. It's harder to make the case to those international audiences that it really was a rogue employee and it wasn't, you know, a, a reflection of corporate responsibility. So, Matt, you, uh, for those who may not know you, you've had a uh, legal and professional career where you have worked extensively in Latin America. You're fluent in both Spanish and Portuguese. You can communicate with uh, not only uh, legal professionals, but business professionals in their native tongue. And so I was really intrigued with your chapter on how culture fits into compliance in Latin America. So I was wondering if you might be able to give us a few words about how the Latin American culture really, uh, I think, lends itself to a greater discussion of compliance, but how specifically you would tie that culture e into either talking to an American businessman looking to go down to do business in Latin America or a Latin businessman uh, who might need uh, something more than simply the, uh, the ROI numbers in front of him of why compliance is important. Exactly. Well, as a starting point, you know, in Latin America, concepts of trust are so key. Uh, relationships are, are critical. Um, Values-based uh, approaches to, to um, how business is done is very important. I mean, that's what Latin Americans, for the most part, generally speaking, you know, respond to. And I talk about an episode on how, you know, on highways in Mexico, um, in the Yucatan Peninsula, um, the way local governments choose to try to get drivers to um, follow uh, speed limits is, you know, not only posting the speed limit, but also, you know, posting uh, messages that are d designed to really um, trigger uh, emotion and speak to values. You know, for example, you know, drive safely, your, your, your family awaits you at home. Uh, messages like that, and I, you know, I think those are the types of lessons that companies can draw when they're designing their compliance programs as well. Um, because yes, programs have to be rules based. You need rules. You need um, thresholds on value of, of meals and gifts and frequency um, of those hospitality efforts. But you also need to appeal to to, to, to people's emotions, and you know, it's not. You know, it's an important core feature of being a citizen of our country and an employee of our con of our company um, to not pay bribes, to engage in good ethical business. That 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 values-based side really is critical. Um, 
you know, another thing I talk about when we when we talk about uh, culture is, um, you know, making an effort to really use local uh, examples and and trainings and uh, and communicating compliance programs. And you know, talk about the episode where uh, the the gringo from the United States, you know, goes down to Mexico, um, spends two days training the Mexican personnel of of his company. Um, you know, the first day they're all sitting there listening to him say, look, you know, don't bribe. If you bribe, it will violate U.S. law. The second day, the, um, the, the Mexican workforce, uh, many of them show up wearing uh, Mexico soccer jerseys. And the trainer says, oh, I didn't realize, uh, you know, Mex- the Mexico soccer team is playing today. And, and everyone laughs. Uh, and the reason they laugh is because, well, uh, you know, Mexico wasn't playing that day, uh, but the personnel chose to wear those jerseys really as a, a show of defiance to, you know, an outsider coming in and pointing his finger and saying, look, you must do this. You must not do this. So, you know, this, these are episodes that I discuss in the book. And, you know, I think what they try to do is is reflect the importance of, Taking values, taking culture uh, into consideration when rolling out an anti-corruption compliance program. So there's a couple of chapters I wanted to to highlight a little bit. Uh, and chapter seven is entitled "Managing Third-Party Relationships in Latin America." What do you find, Matt, that is, uh, if not different, or excuse me, if not unique? What makes uh, managing a third-party relationship in Latin America different than North America or some other part of the globe? Well, you know, there are two trends at play right now in Latin America when it comes to managing third-party relationships. Uh, The first is that, you know, more companies are – and we have a lot of data in the book from surveys, uh, you know, from other other statistics uh, which help um, support – you know, many of these, uh, these discussions in the book. Um, but what's happening is, you know, more companies are engaging in third-party due diligence, monitoring, asking business partners and intermediaries to, you know, sign on to compliance best practices, um, vetting those partners uh, to establish their reputation, their, uh, you know, their ethical business um, approaches, uh, so more and more of that's happening, and as a result, on one hand, you're getting a lot of pushback from local companies who, you know, for them, it's really the first time they're seeing this. You know, people saying, I don't want to fill out this questionnaire. I don't want to sign this certification because, you know, I, I haven't done anything wrong, but by but by making me do this, you're in essence accusing me of doing something wrong. I mean, we hear this all all the time. So that creates a challenge, and we talk in the book about how to address that challenge you know, through education, um, showing that, look, this isn't targeting you. This is what the company expects from all third parties, um, explaining how, look, this is just a reflection of basic standards in international business today. So that we're seeing that a lot in Latin America. And on the other hand, what we're seeing is because more companies are engaging in these compliance practices, more local companies are now used to these expectations. So, you know, maybe five years ago, uh, you're operating more in a vacuum and these requests are, you know, unique and, and, and new. Well, today, you know, most local companies, even if they have no presence in the United States or outside of Latin American countries, 
many of these local companies have already been subjected to due diligence. They've already signed the questionnaires or signed the certifications and filled out the questionnaires and undergone due diligence. So, you know, it's not for the most part new anymore, which is a helpful development for U.S. companies and their their compliance efforts. So in a chapter five entitled Tailored Compliance Strategies for Companies in Latin America, here I was really intrigued because you lay out some of the different bribery schemes that you have seen uh, reported in various enforcement actions, and you help the compliance practitioner uh, to do what I call follow the money. So what are some of the kind of uh, if not unique, more interesting bribery schemes you've seen uh, in Latin America, or at least have been reported that you've been able to train upon? Well, um, and, you know, I have a lot of uh, good quotes from practitioners in the, in, the, in, the, in the field, you know, Jim Mintz from the Mintz Group, you know, others who also are commenting on what they're seeing, and you're right. I mean, so much in Latin America, so much of this is money, finance uh, re- related. You know, one... Um, common risk that I talk about is, you know, empresas fantasmas, shell companies, you know, uh, uh, phantom vendors, you know, such a common way of, um, of getting funds to, uh, to, to government officials. And so I talk about, you know, in Argentina and other markets, uh, how companies are structuring these mechanisms and what uh, companies can do to, um, to monitor practices, uh, to reduce the risks that these shell companies are are used as a vehicle to to move funds, um, I also discuss you know and and these are concepts uh, that certainly apply you know throughout the world, but you know really help in the Latin American context um, help uh, convey how to do compliance in an effective way. You know companies often say, "You really expect me." to um, put deep levels of controls around all of uh, our third-party relationships. And so educating on, no, look, the expectation is that you take a risk-based approach, and that requires you know, to, uh, scrutinizing your third parties, ranking them, classifying based on risk, and then taking um, risk-based approaches accordingly. Uh, so that is you know, often the main topic of, of discussion in the, in the region. Um, so those are a couple of, you know, those are a couple of the types of things that are discussed in that chapter. So um, I'd like now to turn to your first chapter, because um, I've had the opportunity to, uh, um, of course, read the book. And I've also had the opportunity to attend your book signing where you you highlighted this chapter, because I found this to be one of the most uh, positive and persuasive chapters around generally the uh, the concept of uh, global anti-corruption and, and uh, anti-bribery policies, programs, and enforcement. And you lay out four misconceptions. And I was wondering if you could just kind of go through each one of the misconceptions you start with and then explain why you think they're misconceptions. Great. Yes. Yeah. So this is an important, I mean, I agree with you. This is an important chapter. That's why I chose to lead off with this chapter and you know, in general, what the chapter talks about is building compliance bridges. How, are you, how does one connect the two worlds, the United States, corporate compliance expectations in the United States, and then Latin America, you know, how things are done on the ground in Latin America? How do you bridge those two worlds? And in that context, as you say, I, I state these four misconceptions that I 
commonly hear from both sides of the aisle, from the United States side and from the Latin American side. And so, you know, I, um, I highlight these misconceptions and then I offer my own thoughts on how to respond to these misconceptions when they arise and they inevitably arise uh, for practitioners doing this type of work. And the first one is, you know, the one you hear all the time in the United States. Um, which is, isn't corruption just part of Latin American culture? You hear this all the time from some of the most, you know, educated people in the United States. And it's important to respond to that misconception, and it's important to respond forcefully. And what the book discusses is, look, there is no culture in the world that embraces uh, corruption. You know, no population inherently accepts a structure of society where their leaders, you know, can steal from them in a, in a way that is seen as permissible. And so, um, you know, I, I talk about how, you know, it's not an issue of, of culture. It's an issue of institutions and whether certain societies have or lack effective institutions to address, uh, to address, uh, you know, corruption threats and corruption risks. And I also talk about how that notion that Latin American culture is, you know, that corruption is just part of the culture. That that notion is is uh, in fact uh, offensive, right? It's offensive to people in Latin America who are seen as quote unquote more corrupt. Um, you know, if you were to ask somebody on the streets of, you know, Buenos Aires or or uh, Guayaquil, Ecuador, you know, do you approve of your officials, you know, using their positions? Uh, a public trust to benefit themselves personally uh, when the result is, you know, shoddy roads and ineffective health uh, services, et cetera, you know, no one's going to say yes. So I talk, I talk a lot about that. I think that's an important episode uh, to, to, to read because it really equips um, the, the reader to, to respond to that misconception when it arises. The second misconception is the one that you and I hear all the time, Tom, which is, you know, isn't the FCPA bad for business? And again, you hear this in Latin America quite a lot, this question, uh, you know, isn't putting compliance in place, isn't this, doesn't this damage our business, you know, which, uh, you know, seems to Im imply that, you know, by not allowing our employees to engage in, you know, illicit payments, then, we, you know, we're not going to, our business isn't going to be as, we're going to lose out to other companies that perhaps are engaging in that activity. And it's important to talk about the riskiness of corruption in, in business. You know, contracts based on improper activity are oftentimes hard to enforce. You know, government officials who receive kickbacks from companies, you know, there's this feed the bears mentality where they, um, you know, they tend to want more and more and more. And all of a sudden, you know, you've created a bigger problem than, than you, you've solved. And so I, I, I talked a bit about how to respond to, to that uh, view, you know, that FCPA is bad for business. The third misconception I highlight is, you know, oftentimes in Latin America, you get this reaction. Why, you know, why is this law just focused on bribery to, to non-U.S. officials? I mean, the law incorrectly targets foreigners. Look, you have corruption in the United States, too. You hear this all the time in trainings in Latin America, and the response is, yes, you are correct. I mean, we're, we have corruption in the United States. Corruption exists everywhere. Um, the, the difference is in the United States, uh, you know, we do, for the most part, have effective laws. 
Um, we have laws that are enforced. Yes, uh, things happen as they do in any country. Um, but at least, uh, you know, in the United States, um, when individuals are engaged in corrupt acts, you know, I think it's safe to say that, you know, there are the consequences are, are, are real. And so uh, it's important to walk, you know, audiences through that, that the FCPA isn't a law that just says corruption occurs uh, outside of the country. We have domestic laws in the United States to handle the domestic forms of corruption. And then finally, the final misconception I discuss is, you know, how oftentimes in Latin America, you, you get this, I guess you would call it a, a jaded reaction, which is, you know, look, the FCP is misguided. You're never going to end corruption in Latin America. And the response there is, of course, you're not going to end corruption in Latin America. You're not going to end corruption anywhere in the world, including the United States. We're human beings, and a basic human instinct is greed. Um, that's not the point. The point is, you know, can you create laws? Can you create institutions, enforcement uh, that moves corruption from, you know, and uh, a prevalent business practice to something that does have consequences, right? Can you um, reduce notions of impunity for government officials who engage corruption in corruption and move it to a level of, okay, if it happens, when it happens, you know, there is the real possibility of consequences. Um, that's the goal. So I talk about these, these questions, these misconceptions, and I address them, and, you know, I do think it's a helpful, helpful starting point for the book. Well, I think it's really a helpful starting point for anyone in compliance, Matt. So that's why I was so intrigued and yet uh, so thrilled when uh, you opened your book in that manner. We've been talking today with uh, Matt Ellis, the author of the FCPA in Latin America. It's available on Amazon.com. Uh, it is a, I think, must-have text for not only the compliance practitioner in Latin America, but for the businessman who may be looking to do business in Latin America and for the FCPA compliance practitioner anywhere in the world, because there's a lot in here that you can utilize for your uh, compliance program really in, in, in any place. And it's a wonderful addition to the um, set of books that's available on this. Uh, Matt, I did want to ask if anyone wanted to contact you, could they email you? And if so, how would they do it? Certainly, you can reach me at Miller and Chevalier, M-E-L-L-I-S at millchev.com. Just go to the Miller and Chevalier website and uh, click on my bio, and you can find my email there. Well, Matt, all I can say now is I'm looking forward to your next tome. So uh, with that, <laughs> <laughs> I thank you very much and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. I hope you are uh, taking the opportunity to listen to my 30 Days to a Better Compliance Program series that I'm running in January. It's uh, available on iTunes, on my Libsyn site, and also on my social media site, www.fcpa compliance report. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate us. It would help our rankings. And finally, if you have any questions you'd like answered in a mailbag episode, please email them to me. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to episode 300 of the FCPA Compliance Report. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.